I know you're out there. I can see you. Running, hiding, killing, surviving. I've seen it all. Season tickets at the Zompocalypse. And I gotta tell you people, we've been getting our asses kicked. Well, today is a day that all that changes. That's right, I'm not just watching anymore. It's time to kick some zombie ass. This is Citizen Z broadcasting live via broadband, low band, VHF, UHF, Skynet. If you can get a signal, then you can find me, thanks to our friends at the NSA. Now, all I need is somebody, anybody, everybody to get back to me, because that's how it starts. If you're still alive, you're probably some kind of, some kind of genetically predisposed badass. And all we got to do is get organized, and the zombies don't stand a chance. Here's a little something for all you out there with 3,000 miles of bad road between you and home. I hope you can hear it. Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all the TV. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, I think. It's been a while since we've done one of these things. It is. It uh, is. I just watched a show that I think is going to be my new Falling Skies <laughs> <laughs> while Falling Skies is off the air. Uh, falling Skies, if it was hit in the head with a hammer, maybe. <laughs> yep, and if a baby got to it. Uh, uh, Z Nation. All right. I, I definitely to, want to talk about that. Go to Z Nation up front. Okay, I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. Uh, Z, Z Nation is kind of wrapped up in a lot of other shit that I've been watching, too. Like, I've been watching some shitty reality TV. Okay. Like Doomsday Preppers. Doomsday Preppers and zombie stuff go together like peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, yeah, I can see that. The The communities are not that dissimilar. Uh, all, all of them would probably like to live in a bunker, Yeah, I think, underground preferably. Mm-hmm. Big into guns. Yeah, yeah. Um, huge into guns. And you have some experience with that too, right? Like the, the prepper mentality. So I... I'm kind of a gun, a firearm enthusiast. I've I've kind of mm-hmm. fallen on the wayside um, the last few years because uh, ammo was incredibly expensive and hard to buy hmm. in the. Um, well, when you're shooting your 50 caliber machine gun, yes, <laughs> it's expensive. In, in the calibers, I was, even the 20, you know, you just couldn't get it. It wasn't just expensive. It's like you could not get 22 long rifle ammo for most of 2012. Why? I don't. Is like the lowest if, you, if you ask the people on right wing gun sites, it was of course Obama. Obama. Of course, thanks Obama. Uh, if you ask uh, people inside the industry, they said that because Obama's reelection and uh, ensuing kind of gun hysteria, mm-hmm. that and I saw that firsthand too because I used to go up. to the you know the Indi- Indiana gun show at least once a year just for shits and grins. Uh-huh. Um, that like the prices on people just is a run on guns because people thought Obama, you know, second term, he doesn't have to worry about, <laughs> he's going to take our guns. He's going to peel his mask off and it's the red skull. <laughs> give us your guns and your, and, and, you know, again, I like guns. So uh-huh. if you're getting pissed for and hear me, understand that. However, you, you, you all lost your minds and made it almost impossible. All the popular cartridges, like shotgun shells, just bought up shotgun shells are the only thing you could get. Pretty much throughout the whole thing, hmm. which hilariously is probably your best self-defense slash, you know, government agents coming in your home. You want to stand them off type of gun stock up on shotgun shells. And it's a universal. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, I kind of got out of it. I got into archery. Um, okay, and now cool. that I'm into archery, I 
I I feel like I don't even have a real desire to get back into firearms. But anyway, There's, yeah, okay. All that to say is I used to participate on a few gun forums. Indiana Gun Owners Forum was a really good place to buy and sell. And But but the political – there's all – you know, every time you're on a forum, you've got the stuff that you're into, and that's up yeah, front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a reasonable, interesting discussion. And then you've got politics threads, uh, which you can, only, you can only imagine what the <laughs> politics threads were on a gun site. Oh, my God. And yeah. then there was a uh, – let's see. What did they call it? The – uh, SHTF. Oh yeah, shit forum. hits the fan. Sure, and the shit hit the fan. Uh, and you there's got your a, bug out bags. Bug out bags. Yeah, yeah. This is prepper stuff. And I, as because I would read some of this stuff because I, some of those interests overlap. Um, uh-huh. I've had a long-standing fantasy to like buy a Minuteman missile bunker and turn it into a James Bond villain layer. Dude, we are gonna have the bald bunker eventually. If if I ever had like ten million dollars in one chunk, yep. I, I I would go and buy one of those things and and set it up right uh i there's a there's a lot of things about that and like i like tiny home living like i'm uh-huh. subscribed to reddit's tiny homes and smaller homes i could lifestyles. set up my citizen b podcast there you go citizen bald but it's funny how much of the doomsday preppers are just deluding themselves on how well they're really equipped to survive anything and how much of it is just kind of survivalist cosplay it is. It really is, and that's where it kind of merges with the zombie, the zombie prepping mentality. You know? Right. Like you see these fools that'll buy like a um, can, a shipping container, uh-huh. and then they bury, bury it, bury it underground because yeah. you know, and to, they put a couple of patio chairs in there, and they're done. To to a fucking idiot that's never been through engineering school, they're like, yeah, why? You know, that that sounds a great idea. And then when they're in their they're, they're down there at their lawn patio furniture and the roof caves in. <laughs> Because the yeah. only load bearing thing on there are, are the, the corners, walls. yeah. Uh-huh. Then you know everybody can laugh at them and Darwin wins. But uh-huh. so what is your? I've never seen Doomsday Prepper the television show. I've only participated these guys on a forum. What's your? Are, are there any it's, anyone that has their shit together? It's if you took for when it hits the fan. Uh, I feel like there are one or two people on Doomsday Preppers who do have their shit together, but unfortunately, that show doesn't encourage you to have your shit together. It oh. just encourages you to indulge in your fantasies and to be a crazy person, so it's entertaining. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, uh, s- 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 the, the other uh-huh. overlapping interest is sustainable living. Like, sure, there's these people that exactly. have really clever Off solar system type yeah. stuff. Yes, the, the, it merges a lot of kind of the zeitgeist of mainstream. Whoa. Uh, well, you, yeah, the the zeitgeist of mainstream fears, I guess, yeah, about like the economy and the environment and the environment, and it kind of takes all those fears and just says we're going to come up with like one solution to to stave all of those off to protect ourselves when those happen. Uh, so many people are deluded into what they as to what they think is sure. going to happen, like an EMP blast. Mm-hmm. From like an asteroid coming through the atmosphere too fast or some shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, their their idea of what's going to happen is just insane. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so they'll like dig holes and stick their heads in them and can food and stuff. the The only valuable prepping skills I see are pure survivalist skills, like nature survival, wilderness survival stuff. Like if you can go out into the woods with a knife. And basically that's all and mm-hmm. survive. Mm-hmm. I think those are the skills that actually matter. 
if you ever had a problem with any of this stuff. So last year we talked on the TV podcast about some of our guilty pleasures, and I loved yeah. the dual survival. Yeah, yeah. Show which has mm-hmm. turned into a complete shit show. And after the didn't the military guy leave? No, or well, Cody left. Cody left over oh, wow, okay. creative differences and over discovery and Joe Teddy being kind of an asshole. And uh, mm-hmm. now it's just it's. I tried to watch two three episodes after that and it just it really sucks. But Cody, that's a man who can survive a yeah. financial global collapse. He'll just walk out into the desert of the Southwest and you'll never see him again. Yeah, and he'll die of an old age. He can survive. Yeah. Uh, canning your food and putting a bunker in your backyard is not going to get you that far. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that this, 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 they don't logically play that out. It's like, okay, you have a bunker. It's well supplied. You've got several years of food. And fa- uh, fa- now, what fast you, forward. What do you years. do about the neighbors who don't have it? Are you just going to let them die outside the bunker? Are you going to invite them in? What a, if? A lot of people will try to keep their bunker secret, but when you have a fucking crane. Yeah. Going over your house, lifting in your 17-ton bunker. Uh-huh. If you think the neighbors don't notice that, you're sure. fooling yourself. And, and you know, if you're really worried about the society and the rule of law collapsing, it's going to turn into, like, fuel warlords. It's going to be Mad yeah. Max. Are, is your barrels <laughs> full of buried AK-47s going to allow you to hold off? You know, you, your teenage People son. Dynamite. You and your teenage son and your wife and your six-year-old daughter are I, – I feel like it's – you know, you're not going to hold off – 10 or 12 determined attackers that want what you have. No, you won't. It seems like the people who are who are best prepped are learning wilderness survival skills and, and maybe doing some agricultural stuff way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Those people, they're, they're probably fairly well set. Sure. Anyway, so I've been watching a bunch of Doomsday Preppers. Uh, it's it's kind of sad, too. Like, some of these people who are prepping in, like, New York City um, with, like, they have like this massive plan to get out of the city. It's like, A, you're not getting out of that fucking city. Nobody is getting out of that city. Uh and and B, you can tell that like they have had things in their past happen to them that have damaged them psychologically. Mm. Um and that's why they're prepping. Yeah, so and it's it's kind of sad in a way. I never considered that because the the guys I'm aware of to do it, it's almost like um Again, I think I think cosplaying or it's real life uh-huh. LARPing. It's like, oh, imagine this, and I'll do that, and you know, have this and such a supply, and I can hunt this much game a week, and you know, I can boil water, and there's I got five acres of yeah. wood, and that'll get me through at least five winter. And so it's like <laughs> there, it's it's just kind of um, it's a mental exercise. It's it's real life role playing kind of, but I never considered like are you is a person in New York that wants a bug out that they go through nine eleven. And that Some like, of them, yeah, that's some, been brought up right. for sure. Uh, people with like gas masks to make sure they can breathe when that shit sure, goes down. Sure, uh, but but people who you can tell like have probably been like accosted at gunpoint mm. and just feel very insecure. It's about, made them afraid. Right, it's made them very They're traumatized. Afraid. Yes, mm. uh, and that's sad. No, that's, sure, that's fucking sad. So uh, there, there's some human drama mixed in with doomsday <laughs> doomsday preppers. Uh, but should we talk about Z Nation? Yes. Talk about TV that at least 1% of our audience might be interested in hearing us talk about. Yeah. So everybody was telling me on Twitter, like, Jim, you got to watch this. You got to watch I, this. It's got a zombie baby. Dude, they were harassing me on Facebook. Tell Jim they got a zombie baby. <laughs> Tell Jim. And I'm like, fuck, Jim. You, they got your fucking zombie baby on Z Nation. I, I know. I know they have it because everyone on Twitter has been telling me. <laughs> uh, so I... 
I decided I'm going to watch it. Uh-huh. Like, I needed to at least check this thing out because I don't know about this show, Zombaby, but there are other movies and stuff that have done Zombabies before. This is a common is misconception. First... People might think this is your first Zombaby no. rodeo. Dude, I've been to that rodeo. <laughs> I rode that fucking bull. Full like, eight seconds. Yeah, I was in that rodeo. You don't have to tell me about that rodeo. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, Not did a, a pretty awesome zombie baby, a zombie baby birth, mm. actually, which is about as about as zombie baby as you can get, I think. Like, newborn. It's, like, only- it's a zombie. Like, the mother is a zombie and gives birth to a zombie baby. Mm, I can only think of a fresher zombie, which What's is that? healthy mother somehow gets a zombie-infected baby that eats its way out of her <laughs> in the third trimester. <laughs> okay. It, it, are you aware that of that happen. in fiction? Happening in fiction? I feel like I've uh, thought w- it. It has to be. We Man, have the I human centipede, for Christ's sake. <laughs> You're right about that. Uh, the human zombipede. There there you go. There's a movie for you, sci-fi. Uh, I, I feel like that's what happened in Dawn of the Dead. Mm. I don't think that was a natural ba- baby birth. Baby clawed its way out. Yeah, I think the baby might have bursted out like a Chest an burster. alien. Mm-hmm. A womb burster. Yeah, the womb burster zombie baby. So mm. I, I've been around the zombie baby block. I feel like that womb burster is a series brought to you by Brazzers. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway. Uh, why not? They have zombie fleshlights, so go for it. God. Yeah, they do. They really uh, do. So I've been around the zombie baby block. This zombie baby in Z Nation is a fucking abomination. Like, I... I don't even know how to... So, first of all, it seems like it can jump around the room and, and kind of... It's like Yoda. Hop around. It's like, like Yoda in the prequel trilogy. Yeah, it's a young Yoda. Mm-hmm. You know, an 800-year-old Yoda versus mm-hmm. a 900. Uh, I I don't know how I feel about that. Like, do, zombification does not give you superpowers. I don't know what to say either because... I felt like that's one of the cool things about the Walking Dead show uh-huh. is there's a scene where there's a character. I'm gonna try to not spoil it, uh, but there's a scene where a character goes through a nursing home and you see like you know elderly zombies in uh, wheelchairs and attached to oxygen, and they get they they try to get up and they just fall right on their face because their bodies fail them. If you can't walk in life, you probably can't walk in death. This this yeah. thing goes from a car seat. It looks like it's just on the verge of maybe not even having teeth. Yeah, it's an infant, man. And it this is. baby starts running around like at super high speeds, uh, walking around like a baby Chucky doll. And uh-huh. and and now that I've seen the full episode, I feel like a lot of this stuff is intentionally campy. It is totally. Yeah. But they're playing the tense music, and they got the character who I was surprised. Harold Perrineau, the guy who played Michael in Lost. He dies in the first episode. He's he's running around screaming, baby! <laughs> baby! Uh, he gets... I, I did not see that coming. I thought no, that I, he was the foundation for the series. Well, I think that thing you do is going to be the foundation for mm. the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his name. Scott, Scott something? Tom... Tom Everett Scott. Oh yeah, right. The guy from that thing you do, sure. the drummer. The drummer, yeah. Yeah. Uh how how far the mighty have fallen. Going from a Tom Hanks movie 
I know he's done other stuff. Well, I was also thinking about the one blonde-haired kid that always looks like he's constipated. I'm like... Yeah, yeah. He was in all four four of the Twilights, playing the douchey high school journalist that's just seemed like he was kind of creepy and sexually frustrated because he's <laughs> sure. going to school with a bunch of preternaturally beautiful vampires and what uh-huh. are you going to do to compete with that? You can't compete. And, and wolves? Werewolves? Yeah, werewolves. Yeah, they Come didn't on. go to school. You're so boring. Um, so boring, journalist kid. Yeah, and, and you look like you're <laughs> constipated all the time. But this guy, he's got to be sitting there as he's filming, like, you know, say what you will about Twilight. It's like a billion dollar franchise. He mm-hmm. probably got decent pay. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I, I now just, he's on Z Nation. Yeah. On the Sci-Fi Channel. Now he's on channel. Z Nation on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, he was also in the Day of the Dead remake. No kidding. Yeah, so he's no He's got a whole genre stranger. niche he's, he's carving out of. Yeah, vampire zombie stuff. Uh, but there is so many... It, this one episode... And that's the other thing about sci-fi you got to watch out for. Sometimes the pilot episodes, they go for broke on the uh, production values. I'm, uh, I'm wondering... As the series progresses, how Creaky's going to get. Having said that, it's like they took every ill-advised set piece from The Walking Dead where just shit, you're like scratching your head and like, huh? From all four or five seasons of that and crammed it into one episode. Yeah. That's my take on it. But then it's kind of turned a corner and got awesome at some point. Dude. It, oh, I can tell you the point. It's when... DJ Qualls got on the mic and became Citizen Z. So it's what's the- I was not on board until he puts on the sunglasses and goes into his radio like cooler than cool end of the world DJ. I I love it. There's something straight out of like an airplane style parody. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't I, set so set it up for the the listeners that might be unfamiliar with oh, this Oh, okay. Work. So DJ Qualls plays this guy named Citizen Z, he's, that's what he's credited as. But he's some kind of private... He's part of the NSA. Um, the, so the NSA had a base, apparently. Up in up, and they up all, in like Alaska. Yeah, and they all bugged out when the zombies came a-calling. Sure. Uh, he stayed on the mic to help Harold Her- Perrineau complete his mission. Because they do have... And there's a, there's a couple things that are really good in this. One is they've got... They actually have a real... It's kind of the Last of Us plot. They have someone that's immune yeah. to the zombie virus. They've survived multiple bites. And this a former Delta, office, Delta Force operator mm-hmm. is trying to escort this guy across the whole fucking country. To California. To California from the East Coast to mm-hmm. get him to a medical center where they can synthesize his blood and do all the... You know, he, he cure, can succeed where Dr. Jenner on The Walking Dead failed. <laughs> Yeah, because he's immune. Uh, so DJ Qualls is walking through this mission as everybody else bugged out. And then when he goes to bug out, he gets stuck. His plane crashes. Uh, actually, the plane that he was going to be on, if he had bugged out earlier, crashes. Right. So all those people who bugged out earlier, dead. He's the only one, as far as we know, in this Arctic research station. Yeah, now. so now he's kind of stuck there. But he is still trying to walk Harold Perrineau through this mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when shit goes bad... Uh, with Harold Perrineau, and spoiler alert, he dies uh, in episode one. Then uh, Tom Everett Scott, drummer from That Thing You Do, takes over the mission sure. uh, with DJ Qualls, and the radio dies, and so now he becomes just the DJ of the apocalypse. He's going to play some badass music. He's out going of to nowhere. wear some badass sunglasses. Out of nowhere, he just pulls <laughs> out the Ray-Bans and, and <laughs> puts on... Like, Fuck it, if that's how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then puts on the disc jockey voice. It's glorious. I loved it. Uh, it had me laughing out loud. I didn't expect it whatsoever, but I'm hooked. 
I'm hooked because of that. And so now I got to watch this show. This is gonna just, be my new just so people guys. know, this is a terrible show. Yeah, yeah. This is a terrible schlock. It's schlocky. Like yep. if, if this is the. Um, this is the Sharknado of zombie shows. It's not that intentionally bad, but it's definitely True. the Adam West Batman of zombie shows. It's very pitched in the same um, vein as like Peter Jackson's Brain Dead or Dead Alive. Sure. I mean, it's it's very schlocky, over the top gore. People doing silly, stupid stuff. Occasionally, they'll have a moment of awesome. Nobody makes decisions to make sense. The zombies yeah. behave. They there's no rhyme or reason to the way they behave but or their patterns. Favorite. They're fast zombies. You you always say a slow zombie apocalypse could not happen. Certainly, fast zombie apocalypse maybe. <sighs> there's still it's like, you know it's it, it, it's like here's the here's the thing. How many times have you heard in Iraq that a platoon of Marines were overrun by 30 Al-Qaeda operatives armed with their teeth and fingernails. Yeah, good call. Zero times? Zero times, right? I'm pretty sure it's zero, yeah. If that wasn't a successful tactic, I'm pretty sure they would be doing it. Mm -hmm. So you remove coordinate. Yeah, I mean, if if, if you remove coordination and make a move at one quarter of normal person's speed, remove their brains so they can't actually think and make some kind of ambush strategy, there's no fucking way the military loses against slow-moving zombies. I don't even think fast-moving zombies, but they're at least a more plausible threat. But if – okay, so this is a big thing in Max Brooks' books, right? His his World War Z and his um, zombie survival guide. Mm Mm-hmm. The the military, according to him, and I'm not saying I agree with this, military, according to him, is unequipped to deal with the zombie threat because they are trained to aim for center mass. They are trained for disable, disabling human beings who give a shit about what happens to their body. Sure. Uh, the weapons that they use are aimed for, are used for maiming, not necessarily killing, like shrapnel grenades and any shrapnel weapon. Is not going to kill a zombie, likely. Yeah, a, a grenade would be a poor weapon. But to say that a soul, I mean, I, I'm sure there's soldiers listening to this cast. How, how yeah. long would it take for you to figure out <laughs> where to aim on a, a, a zombie body? And like his whole. It's a harder shot, but not that much the, harder. The whole U.S. military trades in their M16s and their carbine rifles, and they go back to World War II era bolt action long rifles because, you know, what you really need is. Revolutionary War style picket lines where you do mass volley fire in the head. Yeah, that's slow bullshit. and steady. Like you can fucking slow and steady be very accurate with an M sixteen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Max Brooks drives me crazy. I don't understand why he's so popular. No, it's the it's the zombie fetishist sure. mentality. But there's a lot of zombie Max Brooks. Like there are a ton of them out there. Uh, there's a weapon here that I felt felt like they needed to pay him royalties on. That's like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that'd be a pretty effective weapon, I think. Yeah, the zo- the Mark One zombie brain pickaxe or whatever he called it. Yeah, That's, you can stab, you can sure, swing it. Sure, you can just use it for blunt force if they're yeah. too close. Like, yeah, it works on the living just as well as the dead. Sure. Uh, I like that. So the the story takes place three years after the zombie apocalypse, which yeah. is interesting because you kind of brought up the idea that some some new societal norms and and ways to deal with people turning and the virus itself. I like this, right? I mean, I've talked about this in several casts. The whole like, what would that do to zombie culture? And that you know, it would be cool to see 
seven years into a zombie apocalypse situation, you know, when there's like, what would that do to your burial customs? Like instead of like burying yeah. someone six feet under and th- everyone taking turns throwing the first handful of dirt, maybe, you know, instead of pallbearers, you have the gun bearer that uh-huh. comes and puts a ceremonial round in the person's head, or maybe they the ceremonial knife in the person's head. That fucking yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. And they have this, uh, you know, as a way to, I guess, dispel the guilt of shooting someone that's, uh, um, that's about to turn or is turning. They have this kind of ritual where they say, I give you mercy. And then yeah. if they have time, there's a slightly longer ritual where it's almost like a, uh, um, like a Eucharist that you're giving someone. It's uh-huh. a, it's a, I forget what the Catholic term for that is. Um, a sacrament. It's like okay. you're sharing a sacrament. It's a last rite. I think that's way cool. The, the zombie culture is really cool and very unexplored area of zombie storytelling. Yeah. So much of the zombie fiction deals with, the immediate reaction to the zombie outbreak like i or even slightly before it and going through the initial outbreak sure so much of it is centered around that so going three years out makes a lot of sense like even walking dead is still kind of close to the event i mean yeah they're like a year out now do you buy i mean how how long into a global apocalypse do zombies stop becoming a threat though I mean, do they are? That's a good question. Because that's the other thing about The Walking Dead. I'm like, okay, if if you make it a big point that 95 percent of humanity's dead, how? And I understand that like the zombie process might retard someone's decay, and that the zombies apparently can be very active even if they're nearly skeletonized. Mm-hmm. However, there is a point in which they rot into complete uselessness. Like even we've seen zombies yeah. that are too weak to pose a threat to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's the bell curve there? Like 18 months out, are 50% of the zombies just deactivated on their own? Three years out, 90%. 10 years out, 99%. Like it, it, uh, Max Brooks also deals with this. Um, he says that, yeah, yeah, a lot of decomposition would take zombies out within, d- depending on the climate, a year. Right. Like, you go through a really hot summer in Georgia, mm-hmm. like, is the case in Walking Dead, and most of those zombies are not going to be moving around after a few weeks it's, in that it's heat. It's unfortunate Rick and company were, were cursed with their harsh Georgia winter. I know, man. Because it could have been over in one, one it, solid good Georgian <laughs> totally summer. It would have been. But, like, you go up to Canada and Alaska and shit, where it's colder and zombies are kind of preserved through the winter. I guess, yeah. Frozen and preserved. That makes sense. And, and they can come back, and he he estimates up to like forty years, and I don't know how he arrives at that conclusion. He just pulled it out of his ass, I guarantee. He did, he and he also speculates that. that one frozen zombie can shamble out of the woods five and years in, and re- like a whole yeah. town just won't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Oh my god, a zombie! We've only been dealing with these for five fucking years. Aim for the center mass. <laughs> that is kind of an interesting threat, though, right? If you think about it, like right now, we don't worry about zombies being around. Like if we go out to the barn at the back of your yard, you don't worry that there could be a zombie out there. But if you're sure. five years out from a zombie apocalypse, most of the zombies are gone. You still kind of have to be on alert, right? When do you let your guard down to the point where you say this can't happen? I just anymore? think that like big events like that impact cultures for a long, long I think it'll be like a hundred years yes. before we get over that type of shit. Yes, like where look, nobody's looking over their look shoulder. Look at people that live through the Great Depression. They don't yeah. stop living that way until they're in the ground. Uh, every, like, if yeah, you live through the zombie apocalypse, that... you're never going to go out with, alone without a light fucking around in a barn. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. You got to wait for the people who didn't experience and probably that to the grow generation up. that you raise won't because you'll beat it into their skull that that's not what you do. Yeah. The generation after that, you're going to have to start worrying about it. So I don't know. Like sure. I said, Max sold a lot of books, made a lot of money off the film. <laughs> I just wish that this story in Z Nation was told with a little more skill because we were very confused as to the timeline. At the very beginning, right? Like, But that's the kind of stuff that that's a pilot issue. I don't think – you're right. There was a lot of ambiguousness. I think a scene could have taken care of most of my questions. Sure. Or where, a title card. Like they showed a title card of like some kind yeah. of naval yard. And unless you know where that naval yard is – they say Portsmouth, which they don't say the state that it's in. No. So like Portsmouth, Ohio? Because there's a Portsmouth, Ohio. Well, I just don't. Portsmouth, New Hampshire? I don't have all the naval yards in the United States memorized. So then when they're yeah. later said, you have to get to California, I'm like, should that mean something to me? Are they in San Diego? Are they in New in Mexico? <laughs> are they in Portland? Yeah. Like, oh, they're all the way across the fucking country because, of course, of course they are. Sure. That that sets up the hook for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was confused as to the timeline with uh, the guy who we were calling Tit Bite, who got bit. <laughs> immediately in the tits uh, the prisoner they had strapped he's down. strapped to a gurney there's uh, at least 16 zombies around him just digging into his torso he's screaming he's yeah. left alone like that for two minutes and then i guess in a scene that they didn't show us harold perino is escorting the scientist out of the building i guess she got eaten yeah and he decided oh fuck the last well he did say humanity. i'm, I'm I, he said i'm going back for something so Don't. he goes back in. He gets this horrible scar on his face. He must have gotten it then. But um, not from a zombie bite not from, because that no, would be fatal. That would kill him. So he's got a cool new facial scar, and he killed yeah. 16 zombies. To save this guy who, who is immune now because of the injection. Right, right. You've got to kind of deduce all that. They don't explain any of that. I'm like, these zombies are like ripping out guts and doing stuff. Not this guy. Yeah, this yeah. guy just basically has some comically done scar. And he mentions that like he lost two ribs. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how the zombies eat out your ribs and you're okay. And you live, you yeah. live, right, in some kind of battlefield condition, you know? Yeah. Not yeah. to mention the savagery they did to his tits. Those, <laughs> right. That's a chew toy. A full, full nipple loss. Ugh. I mean, he's done. Man will never breastfeed another zombie. <laughs> so I don't, there's probably too much time on Z Nation. I think, I, a little bit. I feel like. I want to do another ridiculous, over-the-top, 24-esque podcast on this thing, but I don't know who I'd do it with because I don't think you're in on it. I'm probably going to watch it every other Friday. The Fridays I don't have my kid okay. because it's Friday night. It's 40 minutes if you DVR it and zap through it. You know, yeah. get, a, get a tasty adult beverage of your choice. Definitely. I can see it being... Uh, you know, if if you, I can see it being campy fun. In the same way, if you like that schlocky kind of zombie stuff... Yeah. It's better made than it has any right to be. Sure. For what it's trying to be. And it has better stars than it has any right to have. Right. And it's not The Walking Dead. No. So don't go in expecting that. But it doesn't act like it's The Walking Dead either. I, so felt, like, I get... felt like halfway through the episode they're having a real tonal problem. And I wonder if that was like a uh, kind of a bait and switch that they tried to deliberately pull. Or whether it's something where they tried to make a really good zombie pilot. And then they watching it, and they're like, this shit just ain't working. So it's like, oh, you know what? Let's get Citizen Z going. Mm-hmm. Let's get the Zombaby in there for a reshoot. And this is, let's make it totally, you know, let's let's hit this script in the brain pan a couple times with a hammer <laughs> until its IQ's adjusted right. Yeah, if you're in it for comedy, like, laughs and action 
are what you're going to get out of this show. Don't yep. expect any great drama. Right. So, but I'm on board. Uh, so I've got two things to talk about: the Nick and the Bridge. Which would you? I've caught up on the bridge, and I, I'm I, super curious about the Nick. Why don't we talk about that? Okay, so I did a really poor job of setting this up the last time we talked about it four weeks ago. I got I called Steven Soderbergh, Brian Soderbergh. I yeah, you misspelled the Nick on the show notes. It was just a shit yeah. show from start to finish. Um, but I've 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 caught up on it because uh, I have access to MaxGo, which is the Cinemax version of HBO Go, hmm. um, and it's interesting. It's really, really well made. It's really, really beautifully shot. There's horrific. The, the plot of this is it's set in the early 1900s um, at the Knickerbocker New York Hospital that's kind of owned and administrated by this very wealthy. Ah, uh, that's the name. Yeah. Okay. That's also apparently how the. I've always wondered how the Knicker, Knicker, the New York Knicks got their name. Yeah. Apparently, it's all based on this too. Hmm. Probably owned by the same family, but they're so by this wealthy kind of progressive for their time family. Um, it's got a lot of really in, intense, like I said, graphic, horrific surgery scenes. Uh, Clive Owen plays this, uh, you know, so, so kind of the Don Draper role where he's this brilliant ahead of his time physician. And they're right on the cusp of like, you know, they, they, they've – anesthesia is just – effective anesthesia has just been in, uh, developed. They can cauterize mm. wounds. They're mm. attempting to do things like cesarean sections and bowel um, restructures and even, um, you know, repairing uh, I could use one of cardiac those. aneurysms. And, but the death rate is still lethal. And in fact, okay. um, that's a big problem. They talk about that these surgeons are – the only way they can almost ethically justify what they're doing is the person is surely going to die yeah. if we do nothing. So is that something that they use as an excuse? Like, oh, he's surely going to die. No, totally. Like, we're going to do this experimental <laughs> galvanic welding process on this dude's heart, and if we do, if we do it the old way, like they, it's neat because the guy's like, no, we can't do that because of a bunch of reasons. So they go try to do it the old way, and this guy just bleeds out on a table, and it's just. Just disgusting, hmm. and then they're like, "Well, you know, we get." And they got another one of the guy, uh, and it, that's the other thing. So they have another guy that's in the same sick ward, has the same problem, and the two guys know they have the same problem. And they go tell this new guy, he's like, "Yeah, we're going to prep you for surgery tomorrow." He's like, well, "What happened to Mister Thompson?" Well, unfortunately, Mister Thompson didn't uh, survive wow. the procedure. And it's like this very grim reality where these people—it's not like today where we go into surgery and we expect. To yeah. survive. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the expectation. And if something, if you die, then by God, someone's going to pay because medical malpractice. It was the opposite. Yeah. You're going to probably fucking die from the procedure. And if that doesn't kill you, probably, you know, post infections and all that Ooh. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Nick, the, the, one of the recurring plots is the Nick is just being electrified. So they're going from candles to electricity. And wait, who who is the Nick? What is the, the Nick, Nick is the hospital? It's oh, OK. The Nick is being electrified. Yeah. So it's like electricity is being they're replacing the candles and lamps and oil lamps with the electricity. OK. And they, they're like cauteration machine was somehow like coal fired or some kind of fucking shit like that. And now they got Steam, in a, steampunk. Yeah, it's very steampunk in this. They've got a <laughs> manual like when they're when they got a they got a a um 
a hose in someone's guts, vacuuming out blood. They oh actually have a nurse God. like turning a crank as fast as she can. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and they've got good bellows and shit. It's crazy. And That's and crazy, yeah. It's Walking Dead esque the, the 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 surgery details, and they have like they have the you know people suffering from syphilis and like their nose is ate off, mm-hmm. and like you just see right into their skull. So that's interesting. Um, but the Clive Owen character, the thing about like Don Draper is, you know, Don Draper's got a lot of personal problems. But for his time, he's very progressive when it comes to dealing with gay people and like black people. Okay, Roger, yeah. Roger, um, a periphery character, he'll use the N word. He'll put on blackface. Don Draper always has the good, you know, sense to like look kind of queasy when he sees that. Uh huh. Um, same thing with dealing with gay people. He will like toe the line when it's a job on the line, but he's kind of sympathetic to Sal and you know, he's yeah. not just a complete fucking total asshole. Clive Owen, one of the plots in the, that's set up in the very first pilot episode is this rich, uh, progressive family wants a, a black surgeon that's from Europe and he's very highly trained. He's like, he, he can speak French. He knows all these cutting edge, uh, continental procedures. He's been, mm-hmm. he's gone to the finest, uh, universities because this family's kind of taken him on as a project. Um, his father worked for them for many years and they force him to take him on as his chief resident. And Clive okay. Owen is just a vicious racist. All right. Everyone, I mean, everyone, was- 50 years before Mad Men. I understand so I, that, but yeah, it's, I get it, yeah. it's weird to have the protagonist of a story mm-hmm. be an unrepentant racist. And it's surprise, yeah. not surprisingly, it's just really uncomfortable to watch because you've got no filter. There's nobody, yeah. nobody in the room with this guy that says, this ain't right, you know? In fact, most people are laughing yeah. and cheering. And No, that's how it was. It's fucked up, but it's it's pretty. It's a period piece. It's pretty disturbing. I don't know. I I don't know. So so part of me starts wondering what this is not telling us anything we don't know, and it's also not like the extreme of it. So it's like I don't I, I don't understand where this thing social conscious is at. I don't I don't think it necessarily needs one, right? Like if you're producing a period drama. I think you have to go with the prevailing attitudes of the period. Otherwise, you're not being faithful to the period at all. I get like, it. And, and then you end up with a knight's tale, which I enjoyed. Sure. But playing queen during a medieval jousting session is not – it's something that takes you out of the setting for sure. Yeah, but that's it's something not that, true to the period. That's something I always I've, – I've, I've struggled of late to understand, like, you know, when you're dealing with period pieces, what is your obligation to be historically accurate versus – you know, telling a kind of story of oppression that we've all seen and and, and heard many many times before. Sure. Like, and do you I need that story? Do you need that storyline and plot in there? I guess I don't I th- know. I think you can tell a a modern day uh, socially conscious story within those. Like, even when you have those norms, like you can have things not work out well for the guy who is a fucking racist. Sure, you, you that's can, not where they're going with it so far. But I, and, sure. and I will say that maybe eventually I, they will. I figure, I think in the fourth episode they added another level of nuance where this uh, the black doctor's name's Algernon. They call him Algy. Mm-hmm. He shows up to this high society party uh, that the rich socialites, you know, his his kind of benefactors have have put on, and all those high society folks are all racist as hell. But yeah. even the quote unquote good ones, the ones that are his sponsor. They're also super patronizing and racist, and they think 
that they're super progressive. And sure. there's a little yeah, bit yeah. of scene where he actually um, is a, a, extremely sarcastic and ironic with them, kind of recognizing this this double standard, mm-hmm. and they're too up their own ass to even get it. So he basically, okay. I think that's, that's the only a thing. Bit that, of a commentary. It makes yeah, and it makes it a little bit bearable for us at the audience because this guy's getting free shots at these people, and they're too stupid to realize it. Yeah. And also, they're trying. I mean, they're like light years better than everybody else around them, but they're still. So there's a little yeah, bit of that. I, like I, I don't know how how you can say that you should portray history in these period pieces differently than it actually was. Like if you made 12 years a slave and you weren't totally accurate, it wouldn't feel right. Mm. If if you tried to have like modern day sensibilities to Daniel day Lewis character, you'd be like, no, that doesn't work. Mm. Or it was Daniel day Lewis or was it uh what's his nuts? Aspender. Oh yeah. Michael uh, Aspender. Yeah. Aspender. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I I get what you're saying. I just just something that is a thought that went past my through my mind. There's also a really interesting. They have like uh, a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware about in history, like the fact that the ambulance drivers mm-hmm. were kind of mercenary. <laughs> they were paid for the live bodies, the live paying bodies that they would bring into these hospitals. Hmm. So and there's this one guy who's just this giant oak of this Irish dude, big bearded, and he's dressed kind of like a cop, except for it's an ambulance uniform instead of it. And they'll like show up to a carriage accident where there's like a well-to-do guy, <laughs> a and, high-speed carriage accident. And there, there's already an ambulance there to take him to a rival hospital, and they're like, "You're too late, McClary. We've got to this." And he like he just pulls out a baseball bat. Oh, geez. He's like, well, here's how it's going to work, boyo. You either uh, give me that body or I'll be taking two to the hospital. <laughs> and he, he's, they're trying to like, – this is all this graft involved. And yeah. I thought that he's a very interesting character. There is a nun that works um, in conjunction with the religious side of this hospital that's doing uh, back alley abortions. Okay. Um, which is – a really interesting contrast and and i bet those abortions don't have a great uh success rate either no she's actually really good at them and they contrast the work that she does versus where the women just try to do it themselves like by shoving something inside them that's what i was gonna say like what tools does she have that makes her good at that she can she'll i'm sure she has a uh you know she she has like what do you call those spreader things (laughs) The uh, dust bill. She's probably got yeah. speculum and lighting, and she knows how to like wash her hands and properly disinfect things. Whereas, okay, you know, scared sixteen-year-old girl that just takes a wire and shoves it up there. Like they have a graphic scene of one of those girls. What you know, getting Oof. called out. So there's a lot of interesting social commentary. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that plays Algernon has got this really interesting presence. It's like he's. He reminds me a lot of Prince. Okay. But he's also shown as like a... He's also shown as like a badass. He like beats the shit out of guys like twice his size and then drops a, you know, uh, a thing of of medicine on them. You know, he goes Mm -hmm. into his... After he beats the shit out of him, goes into his apartment, the, 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 the camera stays on his door for like a beat and then the door opens up. He takes a little paper bag with medicine and like drops it on the guy's chest, Hmm. which is another interesting thing. Like Algernon is like so good and so capable and so it may it makes the other doctors jealousy and all that even more ridiculous and algernon is uh clive owen no he's the black doctor oh okay 
Um, I'm trying to think there's one. Uh, the other thing that I think is a little hoary is uh, Clive Owen is a cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, the whole coke, you know, coke fueled doctor or professional. And he's like shooting up cocaine between his toes and uh, because he's got this terrible job that he's work he's committed to. And it's the only way he can he can he can bring his A game. It's like that's a little that's a little cliched, too. Okay, so I guess I would give this a solid B. It's got some interesting characters. The period itself is very interesting. It's. You know, a Steven Soderbergh production, and it looks like a million bucks. Um, so but it it's surprisingly, on yeah. Versus I mean, belonging on HBO, it does because that was my thing when when we were talking about. It. I was like, I wonder why HBO is doing this to Cinemax because they feel like they've got two brands that they're building. HBO is still the prestige. Yeah, it's like the you know the 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 actual professional league, and Cinemax is. The minor leagues, or they're also building this brand of like action. They've got Banshee, they've got Strike, uh, Strike, Strike Back, Back yeah, um, which is all really some shows that are better than they have any right to be. But they're also not anywhere near what HBO. Like if True Blood came out today, True Blood would be on Cinemax. I feel like okay, and I feel like the Nick does kind of belong because it's a little half baked. The there's something that's not quite there to take it to the next level and and, and stand shoulder to shoulder with some of the HBO pres, prestige stuff. So, hmm. um, but no, I, I've I've been entertained. I would definitely give it a a thumbs up. It's I think something that everybody should at least try. Everyone should at least check out. See how they feel. It sounds like an interesting setting. Definitely. Yeah. No, and it's again the characters. Like I love the, even though he's a he's a fucking asshole sometimes. I love the ambulance driver. Yeah, the meat wagon guy. There's also um, a really interesting character who's the hospital administrator, who's trying to do a ton with very little, and he's like you know d- doing a lot of things to try to make sure the bills are being paid and that the contractors are still working, and he's making deals he probably shouldn't with nefarious loan sharks and that gets him in trouble and he's also trying to appease a spendthrift wife and he's got a you know there's there's that going on too but Mm. uh i think people should check it out okay you got something else or you want to talk about the bridge uh no i mean i've been watching other tv i watched a bunch of wicked tuna everything that they had on netflix of that what the fuck (laughs) is wicked tuna it's exactly what you think it is it is a tuna fishing show is a reality tuna fishing show where these guys go out on their boats, like 30-foot boats. Is the they... major drama when they, like, accidentally catch a dolphin and they're like, you know, what do we do? Do we hide <laughs> no. the body? Do we just... They catch sharks all the fucking time. Really? Like, sh- great whites and, no and what they call dogfish, which are... Uh, they're baby sharks, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. little little sharks. Um but, you know, the sharks, like, menace their operation because when great whites are around, the tuna don't want to be around. <laughs> No kidding. Makes sense. When they catch these great whites and they flop them, I'm assuming they flop them on deck or they just no, cut them loose. They cut them loose. Really? They don't even take the hook out of them, huh? Uh, not usually on a great white, no. Really? They won't get close enough to is it just, cut the it's line like up a vicious, near the rod. So I was wondering, like, is there any drama of, like, flopping that thing on deck and trying to get the hook out? Yeah, or? they're fucking scared. And then they've got these other these other sharks that have, like, these really long tails, like maybe six, seven-foot tails. Sure. And you can get slapped with one of those and it'll 
It'll hurt. It'll break your arm. It'll <laughs> it'll leave a it'll leave a welt. No, no, it'll do some damage. I'm just Real saying damage. this seems like a really weak sauce so, version of dangerous catch. No, deadliest catch. Yeah, so yeah, I deadliest watched, catch. Like a couple of years ago, I watched through all of deadliest catch. Same here. Love deadliest catch. And there is some goddamn drama. You're talking catch. freezing condition, huge machines slamming in, While you're sleeping, 30 foot waves. A foot of ice is building up on the deck that you're going to have to spend two hours the next day clearing before yeah. you can even work. Yeah. And that happens every single day. Yeah. Not to mention, yeah, the one ton pots that they're, the empty one ton pots that they're creating around could knock you right off the fucking and boat the, because they're stacked six high. And they're slamming back. And, yeah. It's insane. And. In Deadliest Catch, spoiler alert, I know people are super worried about their spoilers, a dude fucking dies. Yeah, in like season like, two, right? None none of the main guys, though. It was like a, no, it was one of the greenhorns. No. What? It is a captain of a boat, of which one of season? the boats. Uh, it's the Cornelia, I think. Is it, was which like season, season, though? season four, Okay, because I don't think I made it past season three. Yeah, he, he straight up fucking dies. He has a stroke mm. uh, one time, and it... It puts him in really bad shape for a while, and then he has another, and he dies. Yeah, can't get him back to land in time. Fucking dies. Wow. Like, that is human drama at, at sea. I'm pretty sure in season two, a greenhorn fell off and died of exposure, but not on any of the boats that we were actually following. Yeah, and yeah. everybody was kind of like, it, you get the reaction of the community, but it's not uh-huh. like someone we actually knew. But yeah, they, like, followed this guy, and his kids were on the boat Good and Christ. shit, and it was fucking horrible. Wow. But the worst thing that happens in Wicked Tuna is, like... A guy gets hit with a shark tail and his arm hurts. Great for a white bit. really scares somebody. It's, it's dudes on on fucking motorboats, like power boats, going out into they're not even netting these the things? ocean. They're fishing with rod and reel, so it's like you fish tuna with rod and reel. The, yeah, the big old like eight hundred thousand pound tuna. So is this yeah. for like tuna? This isn't like you know Charlie Chicken fin. of the Sea. This is like no, you know sushi salmon grade. steaks. Like and sushi, this shit uh, is being cut up. Or, or is being flash frozen and sent to Japan gotcha. The gotcha. Next, that day. Gotcha. Uh, and then sometimes they'll catch ones that are like bad quality, and those go to like the canning operations. Mm. Do they uh, talk about the sustainability of this? Because I they do. Yeah. So they have regulations that you can only catch a bluefin that is seventy larger than seventy three inches long. Everything else you got to throw back. I hear because I just read another article on Reddit a couple weeks ago that says that the that catch and release policy that like 80% of the fish they return to the ocean die. I figured. Because yeah. if they have like decompression sickness or all kinds mm-hmm. of just burial, burial deck too long. Yeah. Like. Burial trauma. And that really it's more of an effect. It's just, it's, it doesn't, it, it, it keeps the fishermen from just wantonly indiscriminately catching everything. Yeah. But it doesn't actually, it's not that effective at showing mercy to fish that are too young to whatever, which I could see that. So, so what is there? Cause Everything I read about what we're doing to the oceans, and I, you know, it seems like we're just sweeping them clean. Mm-hmm. That this is a huge problem, and like fifty years from now, we won't have fisheries, and that seems yeah. very scary. I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, we Billy can do, Joel but... was singing about it twenty years ago, <laughs> right? Is 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 it gotten a little rosier? Or uh, I think so. I think from what they've said, and they may be biased because they're fishermen. Um, the tuna population has grown significantly mm. uh, over the last X decades, I think mm. two decades or so, right? Uh, two to three decades. So the, the policies are apparently working. 
Um, Where do they fish at? Really is this like off the coast or is this like deep sea or it's what? off the coast of Massachusetts. Um, sometimes it's it's like 20 miles off the coast. Sometimes it's 170 miles mm. off the coast. Mm. Um, it, it really just depends on how much risk you want to take. Right. Like the further financially, you go out, the... it costs a lot more fuel though. Sure. To go out 150 miles, it costs like $2,500 to get out there. Man, that actually sounds like a bargain. I would think it would be a lot more. Yeah. So wow. when you haul in one of these fish, depending on the weight and the quality, you can make anywhere between three thousand to thirty thousand dollars for one fish. For a fish? Yeah. One fish. Yeah. They're between like two hundred and twelve hundred pounds. Jesus. The biggest one I saw caught was like a thousand eighty pounds. Wow. Of meat. And when you're paying twenty five dollars per pound, that's a massive haul. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you can definitely make money doing that, but it seemed like like a lot of them are jokers. Like there's this dude who like him and his college frat buddies are out on the boat and like the captain kind of takes it seriously, but he's he's a total douchebag. Like at one point he gets in a fight with one of the other fishermen just because he's an asshole. Huh. Uh, and I don't know if that was staged. That might be. But Yeah, that's the thing with the – and what network is this on? Is this on Discovery? I th- probably i was okay. watching on netflix so i don't oh, really know okay gotcha but but it's like the the drama of deadliest catch ratcheted way way down <laughs> the stakes are just so much lower it's silly yeah uh so whatever uh <laughs> so I, I i caught up on the bridge the bridge. last i left the bridge yeah. uh we had um miss knocked which is the mennonite lackey of mm-hmm. uh the big bad on the bridge terrible boobs fasto yep um she uh was slipping an acorn to some kind of sloth monster yep and, and i'm I like checked out i'm Done. like i'm fucking out i don't this is stupid i don't get it that is still stupid but yet we have not seen that again and that's still happening n- well so we find out what the deal was is that um I don't know all the details because this is one I watch more as a fan. I don't take notes or anything. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Eleanor, the Mennonite, was raised on some kind of fundamentalist compound. And she was raped by men and sexually abused by men on the compound. And she asked Fausto for justice. And he turned him into a – he turned the, the ringleader of this uh, into what they called a pet. Okay. Like – and they implied or maybe they even already said that they took it off his balls – they further mutilated and they they turned this guy into where he won't he's a, he's a he's a human animal so you know it's it's that right away for some reason made it better it wasn't like this was her because i was thinking like maybe this is her child and this is some kind of sloth thing and like oh my god it's the fucking goonies yeah, like x-files or some shit some kind of really weird shit that a mexican gangster would get up to mm-hmm. um and we've seen just how horrific some of these guys this, and how brutal these drug gangs these cartels are you know we've seen them in lots of different shows and in, in real life the whole zeta apocalypse down there Mm -hmm. so i kind of felt like that was a little bit better and he also hasn't factored into the plot since then um but it's it's turned into this giant you know uh mexican standoff for lack of a better word where for whatever reason uh fausto's well-heeled uh business partner sebastian um, has turned against Fausto because he's fucking up a real estate deal that he's trying to get, and and uh, the the captain that used to s- the shield uh, Fausto had, had to turn against him because the Mexican government got pissed because they executed that do-gooder 
district attorney kidnapped him right off the streets. So they're finally coming back around to the uh, whatever his name is in the cowboy hat scene at the very beginning of the season. Like the real estate stuff. Yeah. Where so the guy was murdered. That was a flash forward. Okay. That then, yeah. then and they I just kind of realized that and then we kind of catch up to what's going on. And there's been some really effective uh drama between because you know, um the bridge, Marco, uh mm-hmm. has been caught in the middle of all this because he's tried to split the difference between his loyalty to um I, th- I think it's his uncle. They just define what that family relationship actually was, hmm. um, or maybe okay. they're cousins. But the, between the, his desire to not rat him out and really bring the wrath of the the the, the gang on him, and uh, the desire to do as much good as he can as a Mexican cop, um, there's been a lot of intersection between the woman that they rescued and the Stephen Linder, the guard that talks like this, uh-huh. uh, with the b- crazy beard. Um, there's been a lot of in- intersection because she finally agreed to testify against the police officers that raped and killed her. But then the police found out about it and kidnapped the district attorney that had got her testimony. Okay. But he hid the testimony and Marco showed up and stole the testimony. So that's still out in the wind. Um, oh, uh, um, Sonia got kidnapped. But they do some weird stuff too. Like Sonia got kidnapped and taken out By to the, the guy desert. she was fucking – no, no, no. The, her brother's her brother's killer's brother. That's a whole other thing that I don't even know if I want to get into. But she gets kidnapped by this guy because um, on Fausto's uh, behest because she's okay. getting too close and she won't stay on her side of the fucking bridge. Sure. And uh, they, he takes her out to the desert and starts digging a hole but doesn't kill her. And big mistake. And he duct tapes her around the knees but lets her wander around because he's like, "Yeah, hey, I'll just." He's like, "You can run, but I'll find you when I get the hole done." But it gives him enough time, and, and you know that Sonya's not going to die. Yeah. And it gives him enough time for Marco to figure out where he's at, and he he kills the guy and puts him in his whole hole. And I'm like, why did I spend 15 minutes of my life watching this zero drama? In the same episode, they jeopardize Hank's life because Hank goes to kind of uh, back up these FBI agents, you know, the Kubiak guy. Is Hank the reporter? No, Hank is the, the – Matthew uh, Lillard? He's uh, Wild Bill. Oh, Okay. Uh, so he, he goes to back up the FBI guy, the big Kubiak guy that paints the miniatures that they finally track okay. Eleanor down to this house that wasn't from the beginning of the show, the beginning uh-huh. of the season that this giant shot, uh, um, uh, firefight and Hank ends up, you know, looking like he might be mortally wounded and trying to drag himself. And that was a cliffhanger. And I'm like, I do believe the show would kill Hank. Mm-hmm. So that was super effective and tense. Um, Okay. And that's kind of like where we're at now. I I feel like this show is much better as a binge because mm. the episodes do there are they average like one what per what the fuck per three episodes. Okay. And yeah, if you yeah. get like two of those in a row and you're watching week by week, you're, you can kind of get down on it. But if you're like plowing through three episodes on a Saturday afternoon, the overall the yeah. overall experience is much smoother and more consistent and and tenser too. There you go, Netflix. You hear that? Hey, I mean, there's some Buy shows. Off the bridge makes season four or whatever. There are some shows that are bingeable. That actually is a distinct possibility because the ratings for the bridge this year are dismal. Sure, and Netflix likes to take dismally rated shows and make extra seasons the killing. Well, <laughs> why do you think that is? I've got a theory. I don't know, man. I'm not sure if they think they can do it better or if they just think. I think it's economics because this production exists. 
it has people attached to it. It has a budget. Mm-hmm. It has sets. It has costumes. It has writers. It's not as risky as a brand new show. You think about like ordering a show to pilot, like w- the work that goes into that, and then shooting the pilot, yeah. and then ordering a season, and like whereas and straight up marketing value. And you like, know, like they know, like okay, the killing sucks, but eight hundred thousand to a million people are watching it. Yeah, and we get yeah. So I, I feel like it's kind of smart, and if they if they Especially stuff like The Bridge, where it's actually really a good show, but you know, because of timing and because of maybe some inconsistency or whatever, it's just not able to stay on network. I feel like that that's Netflix is pretty smart to pick off those shows. Like if Netflix was yeah, around, I think you're right. We would have had Firefly, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's the like the real maybe saving grace for some of these shows that get you know murdered in the crib and they don't really have time to you know, f- get their footing as Netflix and come in for very low cost to save these productions. And then if, you know, and they measure, they're kind of like HBO, they measure by subscribers. So if they get prestige by having the killing and the bridge and, you know, whatever they end up picking up. Yeah. They could bring in a lot of new subscribers. Yeah. Sure. But it's gotta be a certain type of show. It's got the production values probably can't be oh, crazy. No, they and, have their metrics. They're yeah, like yeah. X amount of people like these shows Let's find shows like it and let's buy them up. Mm. Uh, how about Matthew Lillard? What's, oh. what's he doing at this point? He's fucking rad. So him and uh, his um, uh, partner, who's uh, Andrea, I think, or I might that actually might no, be. No, that's from Breaking Bad. <laughs> or it's the same actress. Uh-huh. Um, they're investigating and they're and they're pulling out this thread from an, the, this investigation. It's all tied up, you know, with the banker and the the uh, Mexican. Cartels moving money uh, forward and across the border. They're actually tugging it from another end because Kubiak, the FBI guy, is pissed because the CIA is disrupting their investigation. Because there's mm-hmm. another thing layer has become increasingly clear that the CIA is involved in some level of propping up some of these corrupt governments and cartels for their own for their for their own interests. Yeah. And he's pissed, so he's feeding – he's the guy that's feeding Matthew Lillard's character all this information. Um, and he's just exposing it in the news, so, in magazines and newspapers? Yeah, so he writes this really interesting piece where they make all these connections, and he worked really hard with his his, his partner, Andrea. And they do all this work, and the, sh- the thing gets murdered, and uh, the, the newspaper editor refuses to run it because he thinks – Matthew Little thinks because the guy doesn't have any balls and he doesn't want to, you know, provoke any violence or any kind of crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it kind of implies that maybe, maybe it doesn't have the highest level of journalistic. Like <laughs> there, there's been a little bit of improprieties there, and plus Matthew Little mm-hmm. is a drug addict and all that stuff. Sure. He gets fired. And because he, he he calls the guy a pussy right so now, the, he's a rogue journalist. But it's funny because he's got these just really crowning moments of awesome. Because the guy's like, and he's like, "What?" Just because you're a, you're a pussy, and the guy's like, "You know what? You're fired." He's like, "You can't fire me for that." And he he, pulls, he unzips his pants, pulls it out his dick, and pisses all over the guy's desk. He's <laughs> oh like, "That you can fire me for." <laughs> <laughs> and then the next time you see him in the next wow. episode, he's got his sponsor. Uh-huh. Uh, you know the Rush guy. He's got him mm. completely coked up, and they're just partying. Wow. He's just it's so completely self-destructive, but he's also yeah. kind of lovable. Mm-hmm. He gets right in that Sebastian guy's face. The, the Two the, beers a day, man. Um, the, 
so they put a hit out on these uh, reporters too, and he gets he goes down and tracks a Sebastian guy as he's picking up his daughter from school and gets right in his face and is like, "Hey, you want to kill me? Kill me here! Hey, kid, do you know that your dad is making money selling drugs and killing people?" <laughs> wow. and yeah, he ends up getting awesome. locked in a, a in a um, in a Mexican pr- in a jail, which is just covered in Not blood surprising. and shit and vomit, mm-hmm. and it's just a disgusting experience. Um, I, like I said, it's. They're finally getting back to the stuff that's interesting about the bridge. They cool. completely put the put to put the rest and put to death the serial killer plot definitively from last year. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they never even. I, I guess it wouldn't make sense if they didn't resolve it, but they're they're done with that. And I've been very entertained the last few weeks. Cool. I'm glad so to hear it got better because I was checked out. I'm back to recommending. It's, it, again, I don't think it's something we could cover on a week to week basis. Yeah. Because it just doesn't quite warrant it. Okay. Um, we've got a couple things upcoming. Uh, our pals Eric and Jesse and Levi from Personal Arrogance are going to be doing a Gotham podcast for oh, us. Oh, yeah. I'm super interested to hear. Because I, I was thinking about doing one myself. And I contacted you, Eric and I was like, hey, you want to do this podcast with me? He's like, oh, we actually got, we're doing something yeah. around that. So I'm super excited. Yeah, that. and it sounds like we're going to be doing some guest spots uh, mm-hmm. to help him out. We're watching a day one because yeah. uh, I'm fairly excited about it. I read today Andy Grand- Greenwald on Grantland, who kind of hit and miss about things. Um, he was given a preview of all the fall pilots, mm-hmm. and it was on his like must-watch. It was the number one on his must-watch. And he's got some reservations right. about it because I think you have to, as a critic, be somewhat worried about selling the Batman universe that has no Batman in it. Yeah, Sure. That this is, you know, you've got, oh, young Catwoman and young Penguin and young Joker and Jim Gordon, but Batman is years away from from being Batman. So I'm very curious about how they will make that Season two might be the season of the bat. Well, like, it's kind of if if it doesn't do well enough, I bet they'll put Batman in there. They have to because the way I understand it, they have to do a pretty big time jump. Oh, oh they'll do it. Okay. If the ratings are shitty enough, they'll but, do it. But that's a more expensive and different show. Like like it like is? Smallville yeah. started out with a very underpowered Superman. Yeah. It was just basically a teenage thing that he eventually became more and more Superman as the series went on. Mm. And I definitely think they can do that, but I, I I don't know structurally they could hit the bat sig- they could just throw the bat signal up and <laughs> there's the dark night and everything's interesting again. Although there's I, I no reason you couldn't make a gritty Batman yeah. on TV. Uh-huh. You no, don't need I, a ton of special effects and CGI and mm. you don't have to Nolan it up and have the Especially Batmobile. The origins of Batman. Like if you go back to like when Batman becomes Batman, Batman year one. Classic. Yeah. Like Batman's just figuring out Batman. Like if I if I relate it to podcasting, if you do the blue yonder of Batman movies, of Batman shows, uh, it doesn't take a lot of money to do that. Or like the first, you know, when Bat- when Christopher Christian Bale's running around in the early goings of Batman mm-hmm. Begins, and he's just basically wearing SWAT gear. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah. He's highly trained. That's what I'm and thinking. Smart and courageous, but he doesn't have any of the toys or any of that stuff. You could, uh-huh. you could. No I would Batmobile, watch the shit out of that. No Batwing. Like I, I don't consider myself a Batman fan per se, but I've seen like everything Batman. Sure. Uh, and they're they're fun. Mm-hmm. They're they're at times interesting. So uh, I'm super curious about the show, even though I'm not like a Batman fan. So they're they're doing a preview cast uh, that will drop, I believe, Friday. Um, the show premieres this upcoming Monday. 
and yep. uh, they're going to have the pod. I don't know when their their release schedule is going to be out, but uh, we got that to look forward to. I'm also excited about Constantine, which is coming out in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the stuff that we're kind of excited about going on a bald move? How excited are you about Homeland? I'm pretty. I'm intrigued. Because if you're a Homeland fan, you know that at the end of last season, they essentially swept the board. Okay. They reset the huge, the, the central premise of the show um, was so altered that it has to go in a different direction. Okay. And I hear that the, the showrunner from season one is somehow I, – I, I, I'm terrible at, at getting um, all the details of this uh, Hollywood shit right because I, it's not what – it's interesting to me. But mm-hmm. I've heard that like the showrunner from season one – is going to be more involved this year who went away to take care of something else. Maybe they were working, maybe they were working on the bridge, but they're, they're coming back to have more of a on hand and maybe that that's going to return. I, but I, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, they're still going to have uh, Mandy Pat- Patinkin. They're still going to have um, Claire Danes. Mm-hmm. The, they, they had this kind of young CIA operative you know, ground ground agent, wet works type of guy that was pretty interesting, and I think he's going to be an integral part. So they could still have a two man team with him and Carrie. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what to expect though. I'm definitely going to be definitely going to be watching it. I don't know. Is it something you're interested in doing a podcast in, or we want to bald move TV and workshop it? A little uh, bit? So if, if we were to do, if I were to agree to do a podcast on this, the only reason would be because I'd they have are a gun re- to your head. <laughs> Who are you working for? <laughs> because they are rebooting it. Mm-hmm. Like a season, f- what is it? Season four is coming up. Mm-hmm. A season four of Homeland that is the same Homeland does not interest me whatsoever. A season four of Homeland that's s- very different might, but I don't know until I see it. I thought season three had some real moments of brilliance. Like some of the stuff they did with the spycraft was really really cool like you know the way we talked about the, the americans, americans the yeah. old school spy craft well, they've got some like new school spy craft it's really cool hmm. um there's a really particular plot that took a surprising directions with carrie's kind of insanity that i thought was really well done um and, okay. and really hooked me in so even last year i think season two it's, it's certainly it's, it's it's weakest season season three i thought was pretty good and they did what they needed to do to go forward whether there's still juice there, I don't know. I feel like if HBO mm. – the, the right thing probably creatively, again, not having seen season four, was to let the show just die. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's it. That's – you know, it's like once, mm. once Walter White's dead, you don't go forward and necessarily tell Walt Jr. and Skyler and Holly's story. Like that's not an obvious thing to do. I guess neither spinning off Better Call Saul, but th- there we are. It's, that's, so that's that's always kind of when you're trying to extend something beyond its logical narrative path it's gone on. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like I could see – like in season four, you want a show to be really building on itself. Restructuring it completely seems like a last-ditch effort to save a show that is not doing so well. yeah. Um, Which how, has me scared doing a full podcast on something like that. How are you excited? What's your excitement level on Constantine? Uh, Have you, did you see the Keanu Reeves movie? I did see the Keanu Reeves movie, but I don't remember much about that. Sure. I, I was a big he fan. Had some crazy weapons and uh, demons right, right. battling him or something. I, I was a pretty big fan of what they did in that movie. I'm not a big Hellblazer fan. Didn't he like melt through the floor? There was like a bathtub scene where. Sure. 
bathtub melted through the floor and demons come out of the floor and all sorts of shit happens. I think that's like that that's one of the way you can con- you can contact the o- uh, underworld or go to hell is to commit suicide. I don't think that's what you're thinking of. Does not happen with hardwood floors by the way. It's that tile <laughs> shit. You gotta get that out of your house. <laughs> uh, the one thing that disturbed me as I was reading uh, this preview of it and they referred to it as uh, um, Heckblazer because it's on <laughs> it's on NBC so yeah, you yeah. know this guy's defining attributes where he smokes and he swears and he like, spits in the face of the devil they just really had to tone that way down but they also mentioned that they were able to get fairly creepy they, they talked about some different set pieces that sounded pretty creepy i know they've been able to do really really creepy graphic work on hannibal mm, yeah you know it's the american double standard where you can fucking slice people up and pull their lungs out and you know stage them in all kinds of macabre positions but you mm. can't you can't show a wiener and you can't say fuck because the nope. the, ki- the kids couldn't couldn't contextualize that. Yeah. Um, another one of those shows where you kind of wish it was on AMC or, or HBO, but I am definitely sure. going to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely check out Constantine. I'll definitely check out Gotham. Uh, I'm not sure I'll check out Homeland. Mm-hmm. Like, I might wait for your take on that. Right. I don't know that I want to get invested in a show that is essentially brand new like sure. that um but no, I'll, be, I'll be watching that the uh day one also mm-hmm. have american horror story freak show coming out first week of uh october that's gonna be something me and cecily are taking on all right it's coming up soon yeah uh what else do we need to talk about uh we've got we have one how about the stuff we're doing right now what are we doing right now? We want to talk about Board the Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. We got sure. a brand new podcast. We just did uh, episode two episodes in on the two, final season. Yep. Uh, so we're kind of excited about Boardwalk Empire. Like it's I'm, a good show. I think you're a little more excited about it than I am. I'm totally excited. I'm also scared as shit that they're not going to be able to. Yeah. To end it in a way that I feel is appropriate for and, the, how much I love the show. Yeah, and if you're curious about you know, why uh aaron feels that way go check out our boardwalk empire podcast called speakeasy uh it's on our website it's on itunes um you can get it there i i'm enjoying the show so far mm-hmm. um I, I blitzed through the first four seasons and caught up mm-hmm. and i really like the first couple seasons i thought there were some extraneous plots in seasons three and four that didn't need to be there and so i got a little soured on it yeah, it's funny because I was on Reddit earlier today reading on stuff like I do, and uh, there's a thread talking about someone said, is anyone worried about Boardwalk losing its way? And I f- was surprised to find out that probably 50% of the participants on the board consider a season three and four the weakest seasons. Whereas I think I subscribed to that, yeah. I really liked season one and two, but I thought season three maybe arguably its weakest season, but that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, damning it with uh, – <laughs> more what was it dam- damning it with harsh criticism because like what does that mean in a show as good as it is and i thought season yeah. four was i think season four is the best there's a lot of cool stuff happening in season walk. four no doubt but there's also a lot of bullshit yeah i don't know what you mean like i, I, I wouldn't have cared if i never saw gretchen mall's character again but that she was i mean i i agree except I mean, she for was she's what's set the Richard up story, exactly which was great so you cannot criticize them continuing to keep her around if she was instrumental to make richard harrow an interesting character because i i yeah but all i will brook like, no one saying anything bad about my man richard i like how the end the end stuff played out with ron livingston and and gretchen sure. ball but getting there 
felt a little boring and tedious to me. But I feel like that's that's the boardwalk thing. Uh, Set up layers and layers and layers of shit, and then blow it all up in the finale. It never felt that way with Jimmy. Really? Every single moment that Jimmy and Nucky were at each other's throats felt engrossing. Mm. I I was totally wrapped up in that story, and when Jimmy got the axe, Mm -hmm. uh, I... I wept. You did? Seriously? <laughs> no. Oh, I was going to no. say. <laughs> I wept, and then I continued watching and was slightly disappointed that the mm. show no longer contained Jimmy Darmody. Sure. No, that's definitely uh, was a ballsy move by them. Uh, what else we want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about the Month of the Dead we're going to be doing yeah. coming up. Because you you're already all up in and it. And Z Nation might end up being a part of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> uh, this is kind of your baby. What's, what's your plan on it? Yeah, so I'm lining up an all-star cast of Walking Dead podcasters to review um, a whole bunch of Romero's movies. You got Jason from the Walking Dead cast. We got our buddy Chris from the Talking Dead. Yep, Not um, Hardwick. Uh, <laughs> no, the the no. Canadian Chris that's, that's so on confusing. the Talking Dead podcast. Yes, it is. Yeah, I've, I'm talking with uh, Eric from the Walker Stalker podcast and the Walker Stalker Con fame. Nice. That's going to be coming up. Uh, we're we're going to be at that, and that's going to be coming up here in a month, mm-hmm. slightly more than a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to see if I can get him on the podcast. Uh, I was talking with Jack from the Jay and Jack. Uh, network because they do walking dead stuff as well he likes to talk about sports though and he's a little worried that sports will get in the way of the walking dead (laughs) uh but we'll see i'm sure i can work something out with him uh but yeah and then you're going to be co-hosting a couple of those with me Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to try to make it through all six of romero's of the dead movies we also got two already in the can that we did years ago uh even pre-walking dead it was uh the show that became their watching dead started off life as zombie drill uh-huh. And it was something that uh, Jim and I were doing, and it, we never got our shit together, but we had all these episodes that we were recording to kind of work out the kinks, where we're reviewing these zombie movies. Are those are those the ones you're going to lead off with, right? I'm going to lead off with Night of the Living Dead. I don't know if I can find Dawn of the Dead, but I know we did, like, Brain Dead. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure we ever got to Dawn thought, of the Dead. What's the one where, the, where it's set in the mall? Because I know we did That's that. That's Dawn of the Dead. We did do, I know we did that. I don't okay, know if maybe you can find I'll, it. I'll have but. to try and find that. Um, if I can find those, uh, I'll release them. I, kn- I have Night of the Living Dead, sure. so that'll be released. You guys can hear some really old stuff from us. And that starts this coming Thursday, right? Uh, no. I no. believe so. October 2nd. Oh, does it? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. My fault. So we're we're pushing it into October, doing a month of the dead there. And we've got a lot of other cool stuff lined up, not just podcasts, not just content, but like um, not just TV stuff, but we're playing through The Walking Dead games. Yeah, from Telltale. Yeah, re- really good stuff there. We, you know, we put the bald move spin on it, so we're kind of making fun of it. And we're kind of uh, doing our own thing. There was there was a part that kicked my ass from the last. <laughs> that finally, finally, yeah. actually, emotionally got to me. Yeah, now you see why people give that game more credit. You checked out so early last time you tried to play these games. Uh, yeah, but I do feel like there's definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, bullshit in there. There's a lot of bullshit. We're doing a lot of mystery science theater treatment on on this game. We are, but we're just having fun with it. Uh, We're also going to do some contests. We're going to be giving a bunch of stuff away like once a week. I think we're going to do contest throughout the month of October. So, yeah, check out Bald Move uh, through the month of October. It's going to be big. Stuff is hopping. Uh, if you'd like to give us feedback on anything we talked about, you can send it to TV at baldmove.com. That will alert Jim and I that uh, feedback needs to be responded to or, or wrapped into the next podcast. Um, I don't know. 
whether I've, whether we'll be back next week or the week after. I would like to touch on Gotham a little bit. Um, it'd be cool to have uh, one of the guys from the Gotham podcast on mm-hmm. to talk about it, see what their take is. Yeah. Um, kind of introduce you to them as well. Anything else we need to? I don't think so. Uh, just to do a little bit of light pimping, we've got a new way to support Bald Move. We've had several people uh, ask us if we would consider using Patreon because uh, it's a pretty large uh, crowdsource way to support creators creating content. And we're like, sure, why not? So you can go to Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Bald Move. Um, it's slightly different from Subbable. Subbable, you know, is the place to go to get stuff that you want from us, to get custom content and memorabilia. Uh, Patreon's the way, the place to go to get extra access because we're going to be doing some Patreon-only stuff. We're trying to raise funds to get a forum going for Bald Move participants um, to, to increase some interaction uh, with the fans and with each other because Facebook's all right. I think we'd all rather have, you know, a little bit nicer of a place to go that maybe can even um, tie into Facebook so you don't need a separate login or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more structured, uh, has little features where we can do votes and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be weekly video casts with Jim and I where we're just hanging out and, and doing whatever. Um, there's an ad-free level where you get access to a feed that contains no advertisements. So, None of this bullshit. Yeah, if you were if you were a Patreon patron... You wouldn't be hearing this right now. Yep. Uh, we've got that coming out. Lots of stuff. Check it out. we got a new campaign, a new video that we shot that kind of takes a little, little piss at The Walking Dead because we <laughs> like to do that. Uh, if there's any tr- you know, true Walking Dead fanboys, we're, we're, we're set to run them off now. I think so. Um, but check it out at patreon.com slash baldmove. Um, I'll spare you the rest since we kind of spent a lot of time talking about that. And uh, that's all I got, man. All right. Sounds like that's cast then. Uh, like Aaron said, we'll be back in a couple weeks. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.